Remove everything that's been learned from that day on. What do we know for sure? What? Well, I can't say we because you weren't there. But I was. I was there and saw the look on Laura's face. I was there and saw all Laura's stuff loaded in the back of that truck. Was all that stuff stuff that was stored at the Snedeker house? Yes, in the garage. Oh, okay. So she was unloading shit from the garage into that truck to go some, to move, probably. Well, you know what's going to happen at that point. There's going to be a big fucking argument. Well, all of a sudden, at, at nearly noon the next day, we get a call from Judy saying Laura's gone. She didn't do nothing about it until Brenda got out there and they went to the fucking sheriff's office, which would have been about, what, 2 or 3 o'clock, maybe? I got there about 5 o'clock. So, that being said, Let's fast forward now to 1980. I don't even know what it is right now. When Trudy disappeared. Alright? Mm hmm. What is that, like 86, I think? <laughs> the point is, if you remove all the stuff Steve Snedeker did after Lord disappeared, all of a sudden, it looks very fucking clear what happened. Now, the only thing, the only thing that doesn't fit in there is Steve put the head out on Tony McCullough, okay? Why would he do that? Because that's, that that avenue should have been expired by then. Yes, that happened years right. later. He put that right. head on I McCullough that, in 85. That should have already expired in Steve Snedeker's mind. Right, that should have... he just didn't like it, That might give us a time frame when, when he started thinking it was Trudy. Because if he was taken out a hit on McCullough in 85, it sounds like he still didn't know who did it. Exactly. Exactly. He still did not know. That's what I said. If you look at everything that Steve Snedeker did or could have done, you just look at the absolute facts of what happened that night and the next day, the finger can only be pointed at one person. The original puzzle was what happened to Laura. Really want to know what happened to Laura? I think the evidence is all actually there. And I think that's why John London said he could actually probably get a warrant for her arrest. I really truly believe, if you want to use the analogy that these are puzzles, or that this is a puzzle, there were other pieces to the puzzle thrown in because you had one parent that knew the truth and lied, you had another parent that was going to avenge his goddamn daughter. To me, one of the most integral parts of this whole story is the relationship between Snedeker and Munden. To me, that is very interesting, and not in a way that I am in any way saying that John Munden did anything nefarious. I just think it's an right, interesting. I, I believe in my heart, because I was there and saw it happening as it happened. I believe everything was, he, he let Steve Snedeker hang himself if that's what he wanted to do. That's exactly what I think was going on. John was in over his head, there's no question about it. This thing ran so fucking deep. As far as the Snedekers are concerned, but it didn't run that deep as far as what war was concerned. The thing is, I can see how when you're investigating this, all that other stuff that happened afterward really muddies the waters as you're investigating uh, yeah. it and trying to put it together. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so who muddied the water? Right. Well, Steve did because he went off on a no, tear instead of letting him investigate. Steve didn't. Trudy did. No. If, let me tell you something. Listen to me. If Steve hadn't gone off half cocked and started killing people, we would have found out uh, what happened much is, quicker. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because there would no, there wouldn't correct. have been any other murders to to be that confused with. Absolutely correct. So if he would have but just sat tight, reason, yeah, he had a reason in his mind for doing so. Yes, he did, and I understand it logically. But what I'm saying is, this case, Laura's case, would have probably been solved if he hadn't done that. If Monday didn't oh, have to go tracking been. all this other shit... It would have been. I believe that 100%. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Right. So that is something that definitely everyone right. involved needs to understand, that if ha- that had not occurred, then... Right. Pretty yeah, would that's have... absolutely true. Yeah. And that's why I said if you remove the puzzles of... Or the pieces of the puzzle that got thrown into the box with the original puzzle, if you could remove those pieces... Then you can see the puzzle. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, I want to know the real truth about what happened to Laura. I don't think you can take into consideration Steve Snedeker. 
I think it has all to do with Laura and Trudy. What happened to Laura has got nothing to do with what Steve Snedeker was involved in. It's got to do what happened between her and her mother that night. John Munden, Dave Scott, and Danny Chalice all believe that Trudy Snedeker killed Laura Morris. And so, in fairness, I want to give you their arguments juxtaposed against mine. Listen, I would, I would love to know the case was solved legitimately. You know, whoever is guilty. And I agree, it's possible, you know, John did get it wrong. But he wasn't the only one who believed that. Right. I mean, look, listening to all the evidence uh, that he had, um, like I say, the prosecutor, the uh, uh, Paul Weiler from state police, the state police detective, um, you know, other folks. It uh, wasn't wasn't just him. So if it was wrong, there were more than just John that was wrong. I I tend know? to I tend to agree, and I will tell you this: from the very beginning, everything that Steve did, all those people going missing, made sense to me. On you know, on yeah. some level, him freaking out because his daughter you know daughter died or whatever. Trudy part never made sense to me. I have a hard time believing an 80-year-old man helped her get rid of a body. I'm going to go with that, number one. Number two, I do not believe there is any proof positively that those family members that gave you guys that information in Zanesville, however long that was after the fact, can say that positively that call occurred on that same night because there are no phone records to indicate that. So... If that's the case, and there's no phone record that says that, that, like I told you before, who's to say that that call didn't come the next day? And I don't think there's proof of that trip. That's the problem. I want facts. I want proof, not, you know what I mean? I want to know that it was, I, I, you I know. Under, I understand. And I on guess that day. That's a good part of my concern over this theory that it was some druggie. They looked at all the, you know, all the, the druggies and, 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 you know, that, all that stuff, uh, and just could never, could never put anybody there, you know, could never, uh, you know, you, the old, the old situation, you got to have motive means and opportunity. Right. And, and they, you know, while some of those guys would have had perhaps motive and means, there was no evidence that they had the opportunity. And if you remember, I think one of the first things that I, I said to you when when we communicated was that unfortunately this was really not a so much a case of who did it, but who didn't do it. Right, right. Yeah, and, yeah. and that that's that's pretty tough when you've got five or six or eight suspects, you know, who conceivably could have committed the crime. Yeah, I just, and that's the other part of the mystery that interests me so much because I've been going back really trying to, after talking to you, after talking to everybody, and pinpoint the moment when Steve, I mean, I don't know that Steve Snedeker killed Trudy because he he learned or believed that Trudy killed uh, his daughter because all the way up until the end, I don't believe anybody was talking about Trudy as a suspect till after he died, right? Until they started exhuming bodies. And, I mean, the news reports for sure didn't show anything about Trudy being um, the suspect until after Steve Snedeker died. It was well after, 94, I believe, are the news reports. So when did he, or if did he? I don't think, um, I would not take the news reports that Trudy was a suspect only after uh, coming out in the media only after Steve had died. Oh, right. As anything, because Trudy was was a suspect far far before that. Right, exactly. I'm not saying that. I'm saying related to what Steve knew and when he knew it. What made him pop off and kill his wife? Did he do it because I, he, he learned, you know what I mean? Did he do it yeah. because he learned yeah. that she did something to his daughter or believed it? Or did he? Was there some other reason? We don't know. Yeah, there could have been. Some, there could have been some other reason. You know, uh, I be, I, mean, I firmly I, believe that John Munden was looking at Trudy early. At least, a, I mean, you told me the story about her pulling out the gun in the neighborhood. That wasn't all that long afterward. He certainly had to look at her sideways from that. Well, of course he did. Yeah, you know, he did. Uh, I mean, he thought he thought that was very odd, as did everybody else. Yeah, right. You know, that's uh, probably to me the most suspicious thing she did. Right now, looking at it, that would be the one suspicious thing, 
you know, because she didn't even know her daughter had a gun and, I mean, bullets in her head or she hadn't even been found yet. So to right. me, that's suspicious. That's probably the most suspicious, more than anything else, because like I well, said, you know. And, and, I, and you're, you're right, that, that's ex- exceedingly suspicious. Right. I, and I guess it's a situation uh, when you're dealing, I think from, from John's perspective and the, the focus of the, the so-called study group, you know, or whatever, as we all kind of went over all this stuff, you know, when you're dealing, I think, with a situation where everything is more or less circumstantial. Yep, yep. Then you kind of start saying, okay, yeah, but with this person, there's two pieces of circumstantial evidence. And this person, there's one. And this person, there's four pieces. Right. And in this person, there's 12. You know? Yeah, but there are so, 12. That's the, my thing. Well, there are I, not 12 things against know. Trudy. He may have three that I can see. The Chuck Smith thing, the twenty-five caliber thing, and the shooting the gun thing. What else did he have? And she was there. And that's four. And was, that's, that's four things. Four. That's four. Um, four things, and only two of them, to me, are probative. Well, and, and you know, you you have. I mean, I think it's it's by all accounts uh, number. Uh, additionally, uh, her she hadn't been up here in forever, and by all accounts, she came here that night her sole purpose was to get Laura to go to Florida yeah that was her that was her job and then you compare that to the fact that all of a sudden when they picked Trudy up there were no clothes in the back of the truck and yet later on they found the the dresser drawers with the clothes still in them uh, in the back of the pickup truck now something happened to cause Laura, you have to, it makes no sense to say that Trudy loaded those clothes. No, and I believe Laura was loading them because um, Bryce's mom told me she had called her and asked could she move back there. I believe Laura was planning to move back there. I don't believe Bryce wanted to get back together with her, but I I believe Laura, the the conversation between Trudy and Laura could have been just as easy as, well, where are you going to live? Because we're about ready to sell this house. So you're not going to have anywhere to live. And so I can see Laura stomping off outside, starting to pack her shit and saying, all right, I'll go live with the family that does want me. I mean, you can just as easily explain it that way as that she she was running away from her mom that night. You know what I mean? You can just as... Because she had already Uh called Barbara and asked her to come live with Bryce over there in Goshen. She had already done that. So... I, I get what you're saying, but if you can explain it just as easily another way, then we have to start looking at whether we have anything at all. If you really pick it apart badly, if you really pick it apart, do we have anything at all? As far as I'm concerned, there is at least as much circle, uh, circumstantial evidence against Trudy, if not more. I believe there's more I, than there is against any of the others, but you can put Trudy at the scene. And you can't put yes. the others there. No, I, I agree with you. I do think that our planet, uh, multiple witnesses saying our planet was there casing the place in the days leading up to the murder and saying he wanted to do it. And her new boyfriend, who, by the way, did not know David at planet from a hole in the wall. She had just met him at the at Ivy Tech, comes up with that name saying Laura said he was standing in my driveway uh, last night after you left. I mean, that's pretty... <laughs> And then another witness saying he asked me to go with him to rob the place. You if know, they can put, if they can put one of those, I mean, clearly put one of those guys there. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the theory you've got you've got to you've got to take it a whole lot more seriously. Yeah. If you can actually put him there. And like you but said, we don't know who. Saying, well, he made a, some druggie made a statement, you know, a week yeah, before no. that he wanted to do something. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, right. Well, but Laura said so she physically saw him outside of there. Not just wanted to do something. He was outside her house in that week before, you know, Laura told this new boyfriend yeah, that. Yeah, so that's yeah. something. But, like, you're right. We don't know he came back. We have no idea he came back. Yeah, you, you just don't know whether he came back, whether he was thinking about coming back, whether he just hadn't gotten yeah. around to it yet, whether he changed his mind and decided not to. Who knows? Yeah. You know? And, you know... The, the story that the P.I. came up with, and remember, I'm talking to him from years later, but he was pretty specific in that he remembered a story about they came and grabbed her and they were trying to scare her because she owed them some money. She got panicked and she ran, jumped a fence. And remember, our, our field has a fence around it. 
They shot at her. I don't. I'm not clear on whether they sh- she got shot that first time or just shot at. Um, uh-huh. And then they take. And who was it told the PI this? Only a name he remembered was Frost. So yeah. we're maybe this was a secondhand story from one of them. But if it was, even if it was a secondhand story, it's got enough details that I would want to track that back, find out sure. who said it, and you know see if there's anything there. Sure. I'm interested sure. that you didn't even ever hear any story like that because from all accounts, you should have heard that story if you were in that study group and if Paul yeah. Weiler had shared those notes, you should have heard that story. Yeah, I I don't I don't recall. I don't recall that, Jenny. At and I all. think you would if you heard it. I think you'd remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I would have. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes me question it. What? Where did? I mean, I don't think he just pulled it out of his ass. Somebody told somebody that, whether it's someone yeah. who's believable or not. And this is years later. Well, and, remember. And, and the question, the question for me is the origin of that information, and not necessarily. I mean, yeah, it would be critical to know who told the PI that, if you know. But unless it was somebody who was directly there, how accurate is the information that they were told then that they shared with the PI? Well, that's true. Or this is you someone know? who heard the story secondhand after. Yeah, so, or I third mean, hand or right. Hand. But remember, this happens all the time in cases where someone says, "I was in jail and I heard this person told me this story." Uh-huh. You know, and then they can oh, track yeah. it back. So who knows where that story came from? But it did come in the early days because he w- he said he only worked for Snedeker. You know, he, it was a month or two after that he went and started working there. He clashed with Munden. He he went and did all the interviewing. He turned his notes over. And the one of the first things he said to me when I contacted him is he said, "You're you're kidding me. They didn't they didn't find the shooter. I thought they found him." His perception of that whole thing was it was pretty clear what happened yeah. and so who knows why he i mean he did his job and left he was he was former military intelligence by the way so it's not like he was some schlub i did tell the investigator that those he said he turned those over to isp so to be looking for those records and i even found dates in my documents that i got from the florida FOIA request that when they interviewed him so he did definitely talk with police a couple times they interviewed him about what he heard and he had interviewed with munden later on too in another um, Indiana You're State Police. You're talking about the PI now, yep, right? Yep, yep. So he did, I, I've verified that he did have contact with them and, and they interviewed him about what he knew. So um, the contents of that, I would assume, are in the Indiana State Police file and he can go back and look at them. Well, it'll be it'll be curious to know. I'm, I'm you know, very fascinated with how it goes. And like I say, I, just, I would love to see see it solved um yeah regardless regardless of whose theory is right you know you yeah know, exactly as, as, lo- as long as there's as long as there's good solid evidence yeah i mean you know hard evidence and not ma- just well we think this happened because shit i i i think something else happened you gotta you gotta put those guys at the scene i mean exactly they absolutely and, have to put them at just, the scene i think i saw them the week before or yeah they no. were there yeah. two nights before or Something like that don't mean any more than than the speculation about Trudy. There's a quote I saw published one time that I think fits this case better than any I know of. John Munden told Dave Scott in April of 1987, To say that a crime is a mystery and cannot be solved is to admit incapability. That gives me the drive to keep this case active. That, coupled with the unexplained disappearances, of at least three key people in this case. In this article, John Munden said that Tony Lambert was someone they wanted to interview in 1981, but because of his disappearance in New Orleans, quote, we obviously weren't able to. That is not entirely accurate. John Munden could have spoken to Tony Lambert. He knew Steve Snedeker was going to lure the man out of Indiana and shake him down for information because he told John Munden beforehand. What was he doing that weekend? The weekend that Snedeker was headed to New Orleans to meet Tony Lambert? Well, John Munden spent that same weekend taking psychics to multiple locations around the Greenfield area. John Munden made a choice that weekend, and it was not to join Steve Snedeker on his journey to question Tony Lambert, a man that Steve himself had told Munden that he believed had something to do with his daughter going missing. John Munden believed, 
according to this same April 15, 1987 article in the Greenfield Daily Reporter, that, quote, Chuck Smith was a key person because of what he may have seen on a Sunday morning prior to Laura's disappearance. He was given a polygraph to corroborate the truthfulness of what he did see and had voluntarily undergone extensive hypnosis for the purpose of memory recall. A few months later, he mysteriously comes up missing. Because of that, I feel that he too, like Lambert, has met with foul play. And, like Lambert, I feel it is directly related to this case. What is also directly related to this case, and specifically to those men going missing, is a moment when John Munden should have intervened, but he didn't. Those of you who have listened to my podcast since the beginning will know by now that I am a supporter of law enforcement, and I am loath to accuse them of doing anything wrong when I have nothing but supposition on which to base that opinion. Actually, I think that's a good rule of thumb, generally speaking, but it's almost a fad at this point to paint all cops with a broad brush, and that brush is not a pretty one, given the current political and social climate. In all fairness, there are some very valid reasons for people to be wary of police, based on how our criminal justice system works and the disproportionate way that law enforcement is handled and justice is doled out, depending on who you are. But it is lazy to call all cops bad. Lazy. Not only is that factually inaccurate, but it's hyperbolic, and I find it increasingly more irritating that hyperbole has become the status quo. Police are human, and they make mistakes in their jobs, just like you and I do. Unfortunately, too often, people are quick to equate mistakes, or even not doing a good job, with corruption or conspiracies. And that makes it almost impossible to get to the actual truth, if you refuse to believe something just because you feel a certain way. I prefer facts, and not just the cherry-picked kind, meant to support one person's theory over another. I want to look at all of the theories and decide for myself. I want to hear both sides of an argument, and I don't want to come into that argument with a foregone assessment based on my own feelings. I have made a very concerted effort this season, as I do with all of my seasons, to outline the case for and against a number of related topics. But here, most importantly, whether Trudy Snedeker killed her own daughter. I believe John Munden made some notable mistakes in this case, and I am far from happy about having to point them out. Because if he hadn't made them, this case may have been solved long ago. And I cringe having to even say it, but the body count here might have been considerably lower as well. I am not in any position to judge why John Munden made these mistakes, and I want to be perfectly clear. I have uncovered not a single shred of evidence to suggest that he purposely lied about anything, covered up anything, or had any ill intent whatsoever. I do not think that is the case. I think John Munden made some mistakes, and I think some of those mistakes directly relate to mistakes that Steve and Trudy made in the days after their daughter went missing, and we'll get to that shortly. But that is no excuse for his mistakes. He is the law enforcement officer here. John Munden knew everything he needed to know at the time of both of these incidents, with Tony Lambert and Chuck Smith. He knew that Steve Snedeker or Trudy Snedeker having any contact with these men at the time was not a good idea, or at least he should have. He should not have allowed Steve Snedeker to go shake down one of his witnesses, and he should not have given the personal phone number of a witness to anyone, much less a family member of a victim. I'm confident that any investigator worth their salt would agree with that. Another of my issues with John Munden is how much he told the press in the early days of the investigation. I think it's a problem that Laura's cause of death, the gunshot wounds to the head, and even the caliber was released in the media. This is generally something police are vague about for various good reasons, but mostly because there are things only a killer would know until you start blabbing those things all over the news. Then you effectively remove the tools from your toolbox and toss them directly into the shitter. In a case like this, where they had very little evidence related to the body when they found Laura, keeping a few things back that they did have would have been prudent. Thankfully, there are some things that 
weren't widely published, and I'm going to hold back as well, actual evidence that can now be retested with newer technology and may provide some answers. I'm also going to go on record and say that John Munden's theory about Trudy killing her daughter is based on very flimsy circumstantial evidence. So that's what we're going to talk about first. I, I, I just have a, I have a hard time with a, with a couple of other things. And, you know, one is, and I know it all, you know, we've talked about this before, about Chuck Smith. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make sense to me that Steve, who was more than up front about the fact that, you know, he was going to meet, uh, what's his name? In, Lambert, in, yeah. Lambert, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, and of course he lied about how that ended. Yeah. You know, but he was right more than up front about that and, uh, and told John what he was doing and, and this and that. And there was another, um, uh, the other Tony. McCullough, uh, yeah. Yeah, that he was going to talk to him. He thought it might have been him and blah, blah, blah. But when... John talked to Steve about Chuck. He, well, now he's, now that, you know, basically his response was, that, that son of a bitch, I'm not, I wouldn't offer him a job anywhere or referring for one. Yeah, my thoughts on Chuck. Tell me, all right, let me, let me go with you on this. If Trudy killed um, Chuck, why, what did Chuck know that implicated Trudy? Tell me that. Why would she kill him? I'm, I'm sorry. What did Chuck know? Why would she, tell me why Trudy would kill Chuck? What's her reasoning? Well, it has you know it had to be. I, I guess I put that in the. I guess I chucked that up into the same category as the guy saying, "Well, you know, there's you know there's no proof that that phone call was to the relatives was the same night, or why did he drop the." Why did he drop the nurse off at the hotel? Well, the family's crazy. Who knows why they do what they do? Um, I mean, I, I guess I would say we don't. We don't know, and I don't think we ever knew. And that's what I mean. If you can't, what, if you cannot well, state a, a solid reason, yeah, but this is motive. You're, this is what you're using against Trudy as as saying she killed somebody. Trudy, not just Steve, but we know is capable of it. She's calling. You're 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 wanting to people to take the, a jury. Let's pretend I'm a jury to take the yeah, leap yeah. that her 80 year old dad came into. She got her 80 year old ta- dad to get rid of his granddaughter. Just on its face, that sounds absurd. Okay, number one. But we have no proof of it, so that's number two. But Chuck Smith, I can see no conceivable reason that Trudy herself would have to want to kill Chuck Smith. All he did was go in and talk to police. But you know what I can see? I can see Steve Snedeker not wanting Chuck Smith, who is a trucker who knows about their business and knows about some of their shady oil deals and is now talking to police and getting hypnotized and all this. I can see why Steve Snedeker would want him gone because he could be um, telling them things. So I think there's more that looks like Steve was behind that. I know you're saying, well, why didn't he just do it himself? Well, he had just dispatched with one person and basically told Munden in his office in front of Danny Chalice after he came back from from New Orleans, well, what if, what would happen, John, as he's eating his, his uh, sausage and gravy out of a cup? What do you, what, John, what do you think would happen if um, um, you took a body up in an airplane and dumped it over the Gulf of Mexico? Toying sure. with him, basically. So he's sure. already pr- basically admitted what he'd done to Lambert. Sure. Maybe he was hiding behind his wife a little bit, just a little bit, thinking that was slick. Because here's my other question. He clearly was looking at El Planet, too, because all the way up into his deathbed... He said there were two guys that came by the house. They came back for something. He, at that point, he was telling Indiana State Police he was pissed at John Munden because he knew who killed his daughters. There were two of them, and they came back to his house to get something. And um, he could have got his their license then, and he didn't do it. And he was trying to make drug buys off of Dave Alplanip here in Florida. He was clearly on his list too, but he didn't go after him. And you know why? Because by then they were following him. He was being surveilled. So I can see why he would have Trudy be the one to call. He's not a dumb person, you know. I mean, that no, just Steve was not you know. So I that's what I'm trying to say. I you can you can theorize all these things that Munden used, and there were only th- basically three things that Munden 
pointed to as far as why he thought Trudy was guilty. The Chuck Smith thing, the twenty-five caliber that she she carried that we knew that the you know Laura was killed with, and then the 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 call to the Zanesville thing, and uh, none of those things are well, strong. Well, the fact that he can, uh, the fact that, that he could put her there at the scene. Yes, he can put her at the scene. Right, she's you, at the you scene. You know, that's that's yeah. uh, you know you you got to be there. You know, right. Uh, to do those things. But and, there's and no evidence at the scene of a shooting. There's no evidence that any crime was committed at that scene. That's yeah. the other problem. There's nothing. I think if they come up dry on the physical evidence, we're done. There's not anything yeah. at this yeah. point. We're going to, there will always be speculation, you know, uh, because we we have to be able to put, like you said, the, the person that did it at the scene. And right now, the only person we have at the scene is Trudy. So, yeah. um, but we don't have a crime scene, really. So we don't, you know, yeah. that's the other part of it. There's just. I, I guess I, it bothers me a little when, I mean, I don't have any problem with somebody having a different theory, you know, I mean, shit, that's fine. I mean, theories are like opinions. Exactly. You know? And, you know, but, he was careful to say. Hand, he, on the other hand, for him, for the guy to suggest that the, the case for Trudy is thin, I, I think he's just uninformed. Yeah, but I got to tell you, I agree with him. I, I'm looking at it, I'm, I don't have any, what do I care who it is? I've, from the very beginning when I got, when I realized the things that John Munden was using to rely on, that Trudy did it, I don't feel that's a, anywhere near enough circumstantial evidence to convince me she killed her daughter. Because I don't think, I don't buy Lawrence Romans dumping his do- granddaughter's body. I just don't, that 80 year old man, I don't buy that. I, as a juror, I would not buy that. So that part of the story right there would not fit for me. And I'd want to know how she got there. Okay, put yourself in old man Roman's place. All right? You've got a daughter. And your daughter has done something stupid. And you can't save your granddaughter. That's already over with. So what are you going to do? Are you going to protect your daughter? Are you going to try to cover her ass and keep her from the chair for, for murder uh, or are you going to say oh shit Trudy you killed my granddaughter well I guess you're going to fry bye but I, 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 I don't buy that either I and, see what and, you're saying though but in order to believe Trudy did it you have to f- believe that he got rid of the body and you have to believe that there's no there was no evidence left at the crime scene at their house that Trudy killed her somewhere in that house, and Munden couldn't find it. Didn't didn't see anything there, so he missed it. So what? Wh- how you you have to buy too many things that don't that that well, you know? We don't we don't know we don't know at this point we don't know who Romans might have contacted after he dropped the the nurse off. We don't know who else Trudy might have called. That's true. We don't. We don't. Um, if there were any you know, calls. So, so I mean, well, I'm just saying, you know. I don't know. If you're going to... negative, But that... Right. And by that standard, when you start adding more people in, you know as well as I do that in a crime, the more people you add in, the less likely all these people are going to be... Keep it quiet all the years. Absolutely. And the fact that that she called her dad and didn't call Steve... Oh, yeah. I I can see why she wouldn't do that. uh, Well, I understand. I understand. But... but, You've got to realize, I mean, don't you realize how that, you know, let's put it this way. If I had a child and they disappeared, the first person I would call would be my my spouse. I don't, you know, I don't give a shit. It's still, it'd be my spouse. It wouldn't be my dad. Well, I don't know who Trudy called the next morning. I have no idea who, remember, we don't know that she called her dad. We don't know that. We don't know no. that. It's not a fact. We don't know it. We don't know that. We don't know who Trudy called the next day. Well, we know she called Winston. We know she started calling people in the in the um, address book because those, yeah. that's in the reports. But we yeah. don't know that she didn't call Steve the next morning right away. We have no proof of that. We don't have any records. We don't know. And that's the problem. We can't assume she didn't if we don't ha- or did. We can't. We don't know. She may have called Steve first thing in the morning. She may have sat around. At first, she probably thought, where the hell is my is this little shit? You know what I mean? Where'd she go? Yeah. I can yeah. give her a couple hours wondering where she's at. And then by 1.30, I think, is when she started contacting police. We don't know when she called. 
Steve. So I don't know any of that. We don't. That's the problem. That's the problem with this is that we're speculating, and not only that, but there were missteps along the way that did not nail down evidence that we would have had if they, if you know, the records would have been, you know, gotten, and so they weren't. So now we're left with, you know, theories with a, with no firm evidence to back them up, and that's right. not, and, you know. I, and I, I agree, I agree with you there, um, but there's no firm evidence to back anybody up. Right, exactly. Right. Well, I'm and, with you there. We don't have any firm evidence of anyone, and that's why I was saying I don't see Trudy... I don't see it as I see it as thin because there's no evidence to back any of it up. It's it's speculation. It's John Munden's theories based on what he what he believes he knows. Remember, not what he knows for sure, what he believes he knows regarding Trudy and 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 Romans's trip and all that. Now, there, I have one question maybe you might know the yeah. answer to. Do you think do you know if he was able to get records from the hotel where the nurse was dropped off? Now that might be a piece of physical evidence. I I know I, boy, you know I don't recall. I know he talked to the nurse. Yeah. But I don't I don't know whether. See, because if they had one piece of evidence that put him there in town at that yeah. time factually, then it comes tighter. You know what I mean? Then we've got sure. a little bit more. But right sure. now we don't have any of that, and that's why it's hard. Well, because... and like I say, I'm not saying. He didn't. I'm just saying I don't recall whether he yeah. did or not. And that's yeah. why I want to get a look at the Hancock County Sheriff's Office records. And I got to tell you, yeah. if they're dragging their heels, which it sure feels like they're doing now, because they, they, they're they uncomfortable at any point, because the lawyers apparently are looking at it stuff, they're not doing themselves any favors. Because yeah. if, the, if those documents exist, then they'd be damn straight how, to pass it along you know yeah i wonder how far back that hotel that motel's records go i don't know didn't they say that was the howard hughes motel or something well i'm trying it's changed names three or four times yeah um it's it's one of those kind of little fly by nighty places yeah. you know what i mean um of course at the time there weren't a lot of hotels here um we've got a bunch of them now um, mostly chains but but at the time, this was a little independent, and I, it was called the Howard Hughes for a while. It was called the Budget Motel for a while. And um, by the time he went to go look for those records, I have no doubt that he tried. I, I do not doubt that he tried to look for them. But by then, it was a while off. Wasn't that Zanesville trip quite some time after Laura was found and everything? It was well after? Yeah. I, 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 sadly, I, I don't remember the timeline. You know what I mean? Yeah. To be able to say, well, it was a year later, it was three years later, right. I, I just don't remember. And that's the problem is that even if, if he went back to the hotel, one of those cheapy ones by that time, who knows if he was able to get the documents, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, and, and all I'm saying is, at the time that occurred, I don't remember what name the hotel, the little motel was operating under. Yeah, the, it, the press it, said Howard Hughes Motel, but that was the press in 94, and I don't know if that's accurate. Well, it, was if accurate. That's what, if the, it was the Howard Hughes for a period of time. Yeah, that's uh, where I got that name from, that one Orlando Seminar article. I mean, I think a lot of us always thought, what is Howard Hughes Motel? Yeah, it sounds fancy Jesus, to you why here. Why would they call it that? <laughs> yes. Know? I mean, it, it was a rundown little piece of crap. That's know? funny. That's what it made me laugh, too, when I when I. And it's like, it. you've got to be joking me. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, I've lived here long enough. I It was the Howard Hughes for a period of years. Yeah, I don't. By the same token, it was kind of one of those... Well, the jokes around town a lot of times were that it was a rent by the hour. hour yeah, I was going to say, I, I have a hard time believing those records would exist and now. Yeah. My guess is they probably weren't the best record keepers and the, by, yeah, by design. Exactly, to begin with, that's right. Yeah. I agree, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and it, that may be in, in John's notes or the Sheriff's Department's yeah. files or something, you know, that maybe he did check and verify. I know he. I know he talked to the to the nurse. Um, I can't believe he wouldn't have tried to check. I I agree with you. I don't. There's nothing in his what I've read about his his um, work that would suggest he didn't go run these things down. Because even with Danny, yeah. he Danny even went with him to some places. I mean, you guys went out of town with him. I I don't doubt that he would try to run it down. It's whether he was able to by the time. Yeah that occurred yeah. is, is my thing. And that's the, and that is why we're at where we're at because by the time certain information came out, uh, some of it wasn't been able to, able to be fact checked 
you know, with actual documentation. What did John Munden have on Trudy? Well, by her own admission, she was at the house when Laura went missing. That part's fine. Law enforcement always looks at the last person to have contact with a victim. Trudy owned a 25 caliber gun. All right. Articles dated in 1994 suggest that Munden didn't even know Trudy had a 25 caliber gun until much later, in the 1990s, because he said Trudy lied about it over the years, saying her gun was a 22. Okay, fair enough. But Trudy's gun being a 25 caliber, the same caliber as the bullets taken out of her daughter's head, might be more probative if we knew for a fact that Trudy's 25 had gone missing when her daughter did. But we don't know that it did. What we do know is that Trudy was firing off a gun in her backyard soon after her daughter went missing. Remember her little sound experiment that Dave Scott told us about? So ask yourself this. If, according to Munden's theory, Trudy instructed her father to dump her daughter's body in a cornfield after handing him her gun and telling him to pop a couple caps in her head to make it look like someone else did it, would she then be waving that gun around for the entire neighborhood to see? I think not. I think she'd have gotten rid of said gun pretty quick. People familiar enough with criminal activity that they evade police by changing their names and living on the lam tend to get rid of weapons that ballistics might match to the weapons that they own. And I think we've all learned by now that the Snedegers certainly had no problem getting rid of things that they wanted disposed of. Now, to be fair, maybe she did. Maybe the gun that Trudy was waving around in her yard was a totally different gun. Maybe. Or maybe not. You see where I'm going with this? We don't even know if Trudy's 25 went missing when Laura did. We don't know what weapon she was waving around in her yard. And what about that gun that Brenda would later say she saw Trudy pop into her bra the night she went missing, and then later she saw at the home and asked her, is this the same 25 or a different gun? We don't know. So to suggest that the mere fact that Trudy at one time owned a 25 and Laura was killed with a 25 is not, again, all that probative when we don't even know if Trudy's gun disappeared when Laura did. And do we even know if Trudy had factually a 25? No, we actually don't. Munden was taking the word of others on that, it appears, because when anyone bothered to check the records, and I believe that was Indiana State Police detectives, based on the notes that I have, they learned that Trudy had applied for and received a gun permit on May 13, 1981, about four months before Laura went missing. But there were no guns registered to any Snedeker. We might know what weapon Trudy was using that night that she was playing Annie Oakley in her yard if someone bothered to look, but we don't know if they did. And if they did, they sure didn't confiscate a twenty-five that matched the gun that was used on Laura Morris. We just don't know about the gun, and it is disingenuous, I think, of John Munden to say that he didn't learn Trudy had a twenty-five until years later if he didn't bother to look for that twenty-five because at the time he didn't know it was important. See, this is all very eerily reminiscent of the phone records in this case, right? We don't have those either, except for a handful on Bryce's end and his family's business. We certainly don't have the ones that matter, the ones from the Shadeland Drive home, to be specific. And that is not the fault of Trudy Snedeker. That fault, I'm afraid, falls squarely at the feet of the investigator, who did not bother to collect them in a timely manner. Munden said that he had asked Trudy for them and she failed to produce them. Well, that may provide a reason, but it doesn't provide an excuse. A cop who doesn't do his due diligence can't transfer that burden onto someone else. It's his job to collect that information. It's going to be a hard pill for me to swallow if you find evidence that says, no, Trudy did not kill Laura. Well, I mean, here's what we need to look for then. (laughs) We need to find out... Because she had to gotten bitter to the body somewhere. I think we can both agree Trudy didn't do that herself. Trudy didn't bring that body to that cornfield that night. No, Trudy did not. Okay, so if we start with that premise, we have to figure out how she would have viably gotten a hold of someone to come and help her deal with it. And that means okay. we need to see proof of that. We need to see how she called her, how that happened. All right. All right. I physically was there and told to my face that Lawrence Romans left Ohio that same night or early morning 
right. you know, to fucking Greenfield, Indiana. And all of us who responded there that that day and the following day never saw any signs of him being there ever. Okay, and that makes sense, but we still have to link Trudy to getting him there. Next on the lineup of Munden's evidence against Trudy is that alleged call to her dad, Old Man Romans, when he allegedly left the home of family in Zanesville, Ohio, and drove to Trudy's in the middle of the night or early morning, dumped his nurse at the hotel, was gone for a few hours, and then left town. First, that information was collected many months later. And again, we have no phone records to support that call was even made by Trudy to her father that evening. I do have Bonnie Roman's statement to Indiana State Police in 1989 that has some points that seem to contradict that story, at least when that trip occurred. Back when Gertrude and Steve's daughter came up missing in Indiana, the one that was kidnapped from the house in Greenfield, Indiana, and later her body was found in a cornfield, at the time that she came up missing from the house, can you recall receiving a phone call reference her being missing and then you and Mr. Romans going to Indiana? We received a phone call and said her body, well, she was missing, and then um, we went up and came back, and then we received another phone call saying that Laura's body was found, and then we went to the funeral. The first call you received was when she first came up missing? Yeah, but it wasn't real quick, you know. I think they lingered it out. They didn't want Mr. Romans to know at first. Okay, but did you and him go up there? We did go, yes. Okay, who was there when you got up there? Gertrude was there. Was Steve there? If he was, I didn't see him at first. Okay, do you remember what was said or indicated about what had happened to her or who might have been responsible for her kidnapping? They just said that she was on the couch and the door was open, and she got up and looked on the couch with the TV going and Laura was gone. They didn't say how or when or where or what time, you know, that that was it. Did you stay there with Gertrude and them that night? No, sir, we didn't stay there that night. Where did you stay? We went to a couple of their friends' home. Do you remember their names? Just by June and Buck. Where did they live up there? I couldn't say. I didn't know Indianapolis. Was it right near where Laura came up missing from? No, I think it was more of a distance away. Another town? Yeah, I think it was. How long were you all up there? Just overnight, and then we came home. You don't remember any conversation between Trudy? No, I kept a distance. When did you go back up there to Indiana or Ohio? You mean to Laura's funeral? At any time. We was only up there for Laura's funeral, which was in Chillicothe, I believe. And after that, we didn't go back for a while. So old man Roman's wife, Bonnie, said that they stayed with Buck and June the night that they came into town overnight, not some hotel. And according to her, she said they lingered it out. Didn't want him to know at first. That certainly doesn't seem it would apply to a call and a trip that occurred when Laura had only been missing for some hours. Bonnie also says they, regarding what they had told them had happened, implying more than just Gertrude being there. She said Steve wasn't there when they arrived, that she didn't see him, quote, at first, suggesting that he had gotten there at some point while they were there. Danny said that Steve did not fly up, he drove and he didn't get there until the next day or day and a half. This narrative sort of goes against the whole overnight whirlwind trip thing where nobody saw him story. Danny says that nobody saw him the next day. Old man Romans. Well, maybe that's because they weren't there that day. Maybe they didn't come until another day. I sure would like to see any documentation that John Munden had related to that trip including where the story about the motel came from, what proof that he had that they stayed in that hotel, and what Bonnie Romans told investigators in her initial statements. Unfortunately, Hancock County Sheriff's Department has been actively dragging their feet and putting me off regarding the records request that I sent them in March of 2020. It's been six months. I'm starting to doubt that they are making a good-faith effort at doing so. As of this writing, I have not received a single document related to John Munden's investigation or the investigation of Jean Lindner, which I also requested. They are not doing themselves any favors by not turning that stuff over, because I have Indiana State Police documents that directly contradict things that John Munden said in his debrief with them. 
if and when I get that cache of documents that they describe to me as multiple bankers boxes, you guys can expect an update. I'll absolutely share what we learn. Next, we're going to talk about Chuck Smith, related to John Munden's theory. Trudy talks Munden out of his phone number some months after his sighting of Laura, after which Chuck Smith goes missing. Munden implies that because Trudy said, now we don't have to tell Steve about this, that must mean Steve didn't know. I think that's a stretch, but not as much of a stretch as Trudy herself having someone knock off Chuck Smith. As much as I believe that Trudy Snedeker was an active participant in helping her husband hide his nefarious deeds, we also have no proof, zero, that Trudy did anything of the sort on her own behind Steve's back. Occam's razor is a hell of a thing, but I don't think it was employed much here. That theory proposes that the simplest explanation is most likely the right one. To my mind, it's much more reasonable to believe that, just like Lambert, Steve wanted to shake down Chuck for information. Chuck knew Laura, and he had even asked her out once, but more importantly, being a former employee of JNS Oil, who was now cooperating with the police, Chuck knew lots about their business that he could have been flapping his yapper about. And that's kind of a clue itself. He didn't go missing just as soon as Trudy learned of this sighting. It was months later. I would expect that if Trudy had such a strong motive to kill Chuck Smith, she would have done so before he had a chance to meet with police multiple times. And another thing, that people seem to be overlooking. In order to believe that Trudy was behind Chuck Smith's disappearance, you have to be able to articulate some viable theory about what Trudy herself believed occurred at that gas station sighting that somehow implicated her so much that she had to kill him and keep it a secret from her very volatile husband. We don't even know if that sighting had anything to do with Laura's murder. It was either a day before she went missing or a week before. The only real thing of value in that sighting would have been finding out who was in the car with Laura that day so they could question him. I mean, the only thing I could think of that would make this sort of conspiracy make sense is that you would have to believe that the guy in the car was someone that Trudy hired to kill her daughter. And that doesn't even fit with Munden's theory. So I'm going to go ahead and file 13 that nonsense. I am also going to call BS on a 70- or 80-year-old dumping his granddaughter's body in a cornfield without help, since we also have zero proof that anyone else was with him on that alleged trip. Dave Scott mentioned to me that perhaps Buck Estes, given how close he and his wife were to Stephen Trudy, may have assisted in some way. Danny mentioned some guy named Peanut may have helped. But here's the thing. Mayhaves have no business here. We can may have all day long. Hell, aliens may have shot Laura Morris. We have exactly the same amount of proof that they did, that Buck or Peanut did, or anyone else. Now I want to talk about motive with regard to Trudy killing her daughter. Yes, we have heard that Trudy was abusive to Laura. We've heard that she smacked Laura out of a chair one time and jumped on top of her. We've heard about some fairly aggressive emotional manipulation of Laura by Trudy as well. And I buy all of it. I absolutely buy that their relationship was volatile. Laura herself said that she could only stand her for short periods of time. She told Winston that. What I don't buy is that Trudy pulled out a gun or a knife or a flaming cudgel or whatever to scare her daughter and accidentally shot or stabbed or beat her in the... And there's the other thing. We don't even have an in the to point to, do we? No corresponding injury to suggest that anything other than those three shots to the head occurred that night nothing. There was not even any blood indicated on her clothing. So in order to believe that Trudy killed her daughter before she was shot in that field by some other injury that we just can't see, you also have to add changing her dead daughter into different clothing than she was wearing while attacked before handing her dad her gun and telling him to get rid of his granddaughter's body to the other things that Trudy may have done. As you can see, we've got a shit ton of mayhaves, and not much else. Based on the autopsy, all we have are bullets to the head that appear to have occurred right there in that cornfield. I would argue that the position that Laura was laying in, on her back with her arms crossed over her chest close together, 
shots to the side of the head all in one area. That's a posture that I would expect from someone who has someone else standing over them with a gun. Eyes tightly closed, head turned to the side, arms clutched to the chest. Please don't shoot me, please don't shoot me, please don't shoot me. I can picture it, and it's horrifying. We have no evidence of any other injuries, and Laura's cause of death, according to the esteemed medical examiner, was gunshot wounds of the head and brain. Absent any facts that tell us otherwise, we can't just add another may-have to the pile of may-haves we already have. May-haves do not a case make. The definition of circumstantial evidence is evidence that tends to prove a fact by proving other events or circumstances, which then gives you a basis for a reasonable inference that the fact at issue occurred. Here, we can't even prove the secondary events that are supposed to point to the alleged fact at issue. The truth is, John Munden did not have a case against Trudy Snedeker. He had a theory, and in my opinion, that theory doesn't hold up to scrutiny. I think any prosecutor who looked at that case would have told him what he had wasn't anywhere close to overcoming reasonable doubt. And I think there is sufficient evidence to suggest that that did happen, because no charges were ever filed against Trudy Snedeker. In fact, it reminds me of what Hancock County Prosecutor Larry Gossett said about the Gene Lindner case. There was never enough evidence to charge anybody in the case. There was not even anything to go fishing with. A May 6, 1987 article in the Tri-County Banner out of Knightstown focused on Chuck Smith. John Munden was clearly hoping to get new information. The title of the article is Someone Knows Something. And Munden said exactly as much, adding, maybe they don't realize fully what they know. Munden said the new media attention on the four cases had generated additional information, but he added, I'm sad to report, however, that I'm not in a position to reveal that information. Munden said there was at least one common denominator which linked all four cases. Quote, everything started with the murder of Laura Lynn Morris. Well, he was right about that. Munden pointed out regularly in the press that Trudy was, despite having already moved to Florida, in Indiana the night Laura went missing and the day her body was found. Okay, fair enough on the first point, but what is he trying to imply by her being in town when the remains of her daughter were found? Trudy couldn't have known when a random farmhand would be out plowing and discover the body. Where I think that he and the whole Laurel Morris study group went off the rails, was in trying to make the events to follow Laura's murder directly relate to the murder of Laura Morris. They don't. And the reason they don't is because they were making suppositions in order to make it fit. They were relying on may-haves and must-haves. Trudy must have been the one to off Chuck Smith because she said, don't tell Steve. Therefore, she must be Laura's killer. But if the more simple supposition is applied, that Steve sent her and she was just doing his bidding, as usual, that theory begins to fall apart. Newton's third law of motion. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. The reason you can't make the events to follow Laura's murder directly relate to her murder is because the only thing that they relate to is Steve Snedeker's state of mind after his daughter went missing. Steve was reacting to the death of his daughter, and everything that occurred thereafter was his equal and opposite reaction to the action of his daughter going missing. And then there's Trudy, who may or may not have been killed because Steve Snedeker decided that his wife killed their daughter. Maybe he got a whiff of Munden's theory. After reviewing this case and what I consider his other mistakes, I'm not confident that John Munden didn't tell Steve what he thought about Trudy. And I also have a source who tells me that they literally heard John Munden discussing this exact topic with Steve. And then Trudy goes missing. So maybe that is why he did it. That part still fits John Munden's theory. If Steve thinks his wife killed his daughter, it makes sense that all the killings stop after that because in his mind, he believes he has finally killed his daughter's killer. 
but it's equally possible that Steve killed Trudy because of some other reason. Maybe she knew some shit, and she was finally pissed enough at him to start sharing that information. He was clearly making up that blackmail stuff against her, so it's not like he is above doing other damaging things to her. At some point in everyone's life, self-preservation trumps everything else, and maybe Trudy had finally had enough. I don't doubt that they had a shitty marriage. How could anyone have a good marriage with Steve Snedeker? Whatever happened in Astor, Florida, right before Trudy went missing, will remain a mystery forever, like the many other secrets that were taken to the grave in this case. Steve, Trudy, David Planet, Ricky Akers. The sad thing is, we won't ever know why Steve Snedeker killed Trudy. But my God, if he did kill her because he believed she killed their daughter, and she didn't? What a fucking tragedy that is all around. Stay tuned.